Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's uh, my introduction. I am Alan. Uh, I am the Baptist half of the double act that is uh, me and Tom. And uh, so um, I'm here tonight to continue with our, um, our series of exiles and ambassadors. And uh, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a sinner just like you. Come on. There you go. Come on. I didn't think that was funny, but there we go. Little did I know. Um, so what I want to uh, look at today, we've um, been tracking in the evenings through uh, the book of Acts, particularly starting um, when uh, the Apostle Paul, the great church planter, writer of a lot of the New Testament, he rocks up and goes about starting planting churches. And so we've seen him um, in uh, various towns, various places. He's been prayed for. He's been sent off with his mate Barnabas and uh, they're doing a great job. Um, going around and seeing loads of people coming to faith. And so we reach a particular part in the story tonight where um, still going around, still planting churches, um, but Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, um, records a specific moment of healing in a place called Lystra. And as we uh, gather tonight, and as we come and as we sing, and uh, as we hear stories and have a little bit of fun on the stage, I want to pose the question, does God heal today? Does God heal today? And so that's where we're going to go. And... um, A little bit of context. So we're going to be in chapter 14. Um, If you've got a Bible or a device, you might want to flick to it. I'm um, speaking tonight from uh, verse 8 to 20. But at the very start of chapter 14, uh, we see Paul and Barnabas in a place called Iconium. They've left uh, uh, Pisidian Antioch. They find themselves in Iconium. And uh, while they are there and while they are speaking, they see a great number of people coming to faith. Now, they see people from the synagogue, so those um, who share a a similar cultural identity with Paul and Jesus. Um, They are Jews by, by birth, by race, and people from the Jewish tradition are coming to faith. But they also see a whole load of Gentiles, a whole load of non Jews or Greeks. Uh, coming to faith also. Now, those from the Jewish, of a Jewish persuasion, those that have come to faith, great. They're all cheering Paul on. They're seeing great stuff happen. Um, but there's also those from the synagogue who don't think that Paul is doing something that is good. In fact, they set about a plot to stone him. That's not to sit to one side, roll a spliff, and, uh, and smoke with him. Thank you very much. It's to pick up rocks and to throw them at him until he's dead. It's not a nice thing. Tom, come back to me. Come back to me, Tom. But even though there is trouble that is being stirred up in this place of Iconium, Paul and Barnabas stay around speaking boldly about this faith in Jesus Christ. There's the plot. The preaching is confirmed by signs and wonders. Um, The city is divided. Now, as the plot begins to gather pace, Paul and Barnabas get wind of it, and they decide that actually they're going to move on from Iconium, and they're going to move just a few miles down the road to a place 
called Lystra. And that's where we're going to pick up the story now. Acts 14, verses 8 through to 20, and it says this. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Healing in the story. I don't know what's kicking off outside. Fire engine. There you go. Healing. So in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. It says in verse 8, he had been that way from birth. He had never walked. I love the way that that's phrased. Because essentially the writer is saying he is lame. He's been that way from birth. He's never walked. He's lame. He's really lame. No, 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 no. He is really, really, really lame. This guy cannot walk. And Paul, while he's speaking, while he's preaching the good news about Jesus, he clocks this guy, sees him just leaning in, listening really intently to what it is that Paul is saying. And he discerns in the spirit, he sees, he discerns that there's faith around for healing. And so he cries out, stand up. And this guy jumps to his feet and begins walking around. Now we've already seen that in, uh, in Iconium that there have been signs and wonders accompanying the words that, Jesus, uh, that Paul has been preaching. But this is a particular miracle that Luke, the writer, wants to draw attention to. There's something going on here that is pretty awesome. Now, I've had knee surgery a couple of times on my right knee. I've had anterior cruciate ligament um, surgery. I've had uh, uh, cartilage repair. And I know that even just a couple of months off my feet that the muscle wastage is significant. I'm actually engaged with a physio at the moment trying to undo some of the damage done 10 years ago. This guy's never walked. And so not only have his feet been straightened or whatever physical problem that he's had, but also his muscles have been strengthened. 
and he's able to stand up on his feet and move around. It is a truly phenomenal thing that the people have witnessed. And I don't know how you feel when you hear about that kind of stuff. Well, it's 2,000 years ago. It's a very different time. Perhaps your response is much like those of the people of Lystra. They see Paul and Barnabas and this incredible uh, uh, miracle, this incredible healing, and they think these guys must be something special. They must be awesome. They must be gods. Zeus, Hermes have come. And there was a story going around that um, indeed the gods had visited Lystra in the past and, uh, and all but a widow had missed it. And so they're hypersensitive. There's something going on. It must be the gods. We don't we want to get it right this time. So it must be them. And they see Paul and they see Barnabas as completely other, separate, coming down out of the heavens and able to perform these amazing things. You see, the people of Lystra want to count themselves out. They go, these guys are just completely different from us. There must be something so special, so different that enables them to do this kind of thing. And they speak in their own language and word gets out to the temple of Zeus and they, they bring bulls to the city gates and they want to make a sacrifice. They're speaking in a different language from Paul and Barnabas. So it's only a little bit later that they realize what's going on. And at that point, they tear their clothes. They run into the crowd and say, we are only human just like you. You see, we sing about the power of God. We sing about revival. We sing that there is power in the name of Jesus. And yet we so quickly count ourselves out from seeing those kinds of things. What's more, as we see the uh, coming to the end of this. Paul and Barnabas, they run into the crowd. They tell them that we too are only human like you. You see, healing is not about you and it's not about me. It's not about the guy on the stage. It's not about Tom. It's not about Sarah even. It's all about the awesomeness of our God in heaven. It is all about the almighty, all-powerful, the one who flung the stars into space, the one that breathed life into you and me, the one that knew you before you were born. It's all about him. And it's all about a free and undeserved gift that is Jesus. His death on a cross that freed us from all the nonsense of having to be good enough for God the free gift of grace so that we may stand and experience him even though we are sinners together. And then the third part of the story, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium where there's been trouble kicking off such that Paul and Barnabas have moved on to Lystra. They come down and they stand amongst the crowd. And the crowd that was ready to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas as gods are now turned to be a lynch mob. And they pick up stones and they hurl them at Paul. Stone after stone after stone until 
Paul is lying on the floor, beaten, bloodied, bruised, definitely unconscious. Is he dead? Certainly the crowd think he's dead, so they drag him through the streets, out through the city walls, out probably to the refuge, the the rubbish dump outside, and they dump his body, and they leave him for dead. But the story doesn't end there. The disciples, not the 12 that were around with Jesus, um, but other disciples, followers of the way, they gather around Paul's body. And we don't hear what's been recorded. We don't hear what goes on. All we hear is that Paul gets back to his feet. A miracle? Maybe. A resurrection? Maybe. And we see Paul (laughs) go back into the city the place where he's just been stoned to death. He's a nutter, an absolute nutter. And then the following day, I don't know who persuades him, but they leave the city and uh, they head off to uh, the next place. They're off to um, Derby, Derby. Who knows? There you go. So come back to the question that I posed at the start. Does God heal today? I believe that God heals today. Doesn't mean to say that my mum didn't die early from cancer. But I believe that God heals today. It doesn't mean to say that I haven't had two surgeries on my knee and I haven't wrecked my right shoulder and I would love healing from the Lord. But I believe that God heals today. So I want to tell you just a couple of stories. Um, I have the pleasure of leading our interns year, and uh, I've done that on a number of occasions. Sarah is an intern this year? Come on. Very good. And uh, I have, have the real privilege of um, taking some of the teams um, over to Romania to work amongst some of the poorest, uh, some of the very, very poorest of, um, in the whole of Europe. It's a phenomenal place that we go, and we work with a Christian team out there. And uh, I took a team out one year, and um, we had the uh, dubious pleasure of, on one day, building chicken coops. Yeah? Keeping chickens safe. It's a big thing in Romania. And then on the following day, taking the chicken coops out and delivering them to to local people. And so uh, build the chicken coops, take the chicken coops. Build the chicken coops, take the chicken coops. And then one day, uh, part of the team, they're out and they're delivering chicken coops. And they come across a, uh, a woman. And she is leaning really heavily on this stick. I would say crutch, but it is, it is a stick wedged under her arm, and she's leaning really heavily on it. And uh, so they deliver to her a chicken coop, and they say, here, have a chicken coop. They don't speak Romanian. They do have a translator with them, and they go, here, have a chicken coop. And she says, thank you very much in Romanian for the chicken coop. And then the team walk off. Not much of a story. And then one guy, Sam, a very ordinary guy, uh, I'll tell you how ordinary he is. Um, he, is uh, he was studying uh, to be a town planner. It's all right. I know one of the interns has just finished a master's in town planning. So, uh, so there we go. Um, but just a really ordinary, ordinary guy. Lovely, lovely guy called Sam. And as they walked away, he turned to the rest of the team and said, do you think we should pray for her? Because she looked to be in a bit of a bad way. 
And the team kind of went, yes. And so they sort of sidled back over, looking rather nervous. And uh, they said through the interpreter, could we pray for you? And she said, yes, which I think was over the first hurdle. And so they began to pray for her. She was sat down at this this moment, and uh, they began to pray for her. And through the interpreter, she said, I feel a strange sensation in my arm, like a wind blowing up and down my arm. And so this encouraged our nervous uh, team of interns to pray a little bit more. And so they continued to pray, and this woman just started flapping her arm up and down. And you could just see the surprise on her face as she began to move. And so the team at this point were feeling rather excited that there was something going on. And so they said, how about your leg? What about your leg? How's how's your leg? And she said, it feels just the same. And so one of the team said, we haven't prayed for her leg yet. Let's pray for her leg. And so the team go, okay, let's pray for the leg. Let's pray for the leg. And they start praying for this woman's leg. And uh, she again just says, I just feel that same sensation. It feels like there's a wind blowing up and down my leg. And so the team go, let's see if she can walk. And so they help her to her feet. And she's still got her big stick that she's still leaning on. And um, they say, can we take your stick away? And they go, "Mm, not sure about that. And so after a little bit of back and forth through an interpreter, she lays down her stick and the team gather around her because she's pretty nervous and uh, they persuade her to start walking down her path and they're close so that if she does begin to go that they would be on hand to catch her and she walks to the end of the path she turns around and she walks back I believe that God heals today A couple of days later, they were back in the area and they saw uh, the same woman again and she was leaning on her stick. And the people thought, so they went over again with the interpreter and said, you're leaning on your stick, are you okay? Did the healing not stick? And she said, it's wet today. I'm old, I don't want to slip. But I'm feeling absolutely fine. It was truly, truly remarkable. And what I love about that story is you've got part of the team who just kind of go, we ought to pray for healing. They go, yeah, okay, you pray for healing, you pray for healing. And then God turns up. And little by little, as they retell the story, you can just sense their faith rising. They didn't think that they were anything special. But they met with the risen Lord Jesus. Another story, just a quick one, and then we're going to give an opportunity to pray and respond this evening. Here in church, um, sat at the back, uh, a good friend of ours, um, she was a medical student, she'd started a little bit late, and um, she uh, got pregnant, part of her studies, not part of her studies, that would be a weird thing to do as part of your studies. It's not just on the video, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So during her studies, uh, she'd got pregnant and uh, she was training to be a surgeon, noble task, and uh, she had her baby and um, she came over very, very quickly um, with arthritis in her hands. And if you want to be a surgeon, not a great thing to happen. 
and uh, being sort of in the medical uh, school, um, she was kind of fast-tracked. Um, she ended up with uh, x-rays, and the x-rays um, to the trained eye showed that there was quite advanced arthritis in her hands. She could barely, when she got up, hold her baby. And then, um, as the story goes on, there's a moment in church where somebody's um, saying it'd be great to pray for healing. And um, somebody mentioned arthritis, and there were a number of people that responded, including our friend. And uh, she was prayed for. She didn't feel a single thing. And then she herself felt prompted to go and pray for somebody else that was also suffering from arthritis. And so she prayed, and she prayed, and then something happened to this other person. And there was something that went on some measure of healing and some measure of movement in this other, person, as a other person's hands. And so she went home disappointed. She'd seen God turn up, but she sat in a seat thinking, God, what about me? What about me? I can't hold my child. I want to be a surgeon. I'm losing all movement in my hands and I'm in such pain. So she went home. She had food fed a baby, she went off to bed, she got a reasonable night's sleep, hallelujah, there's a miracle right there. And she woke up in the morning and she swung her legs out of bed and she carried on and she'd had a complete and total healing. I know because I've seen the x-rays both before and after and I know that her colleagues, her friends in the x-ray department were dumbfounded as to how this x-ray was the first one and this was the second. Surely it should be the other way around. Does God heal today? Yes, he does. Well, my mum still died prematurely from cancer. Still had knee surgery. But it's not up to me. It's all up to our good and gracious God. And he will do whatever it is that he wants to do.